I'm Piercy Chanwell, and you're listening to Unsubscribed. Every episode, I sit down with business leaders to help you question everything you thought you knew about marketing. If you enjoy this show, please do subscribe and leave a review on YouTube or your favorite podcast player. Now, on to this episode. My guest today is AJ Bruno. AJ is the CEO and co-founder of Quotapath a sales compensation platform that helps sales teams calculate their commissions. Prior to Quotapath, AJ spent six years at Trendkite, where he founded and grew the company to 250 employees and sold its decision for $225 million. He's the father of three young girls and an avid pilot who can be found flying around over the skies of Boston. Welcome to the Unsubscribe podcast, AJ. Thanks, Pierce. Thanks for having me. I appreciate your green today that you're wearing, mm-hmm. and I also yeah. wear green. We so actually just launched our new brand today. Oh, so what a path That's just awesome. Yeah. It's looking good. You're, you know, for those uh, of you tuning into the audio only, AJ is rocking just an awesome quota path shirt and hat too yeah well pierce you got you've got the matching style with me today so. that, would you consider that in in canada is that a cardigan is that what you would consider this, that uh, this kind Jacket? of like my zip up bomber that uh it's got kind of the knack green and blue we have similar colors that's a marketing guy I really appreciate your whole yeah. branding yeah, of course. it's of nice course. My, my cmo appreciates it too for sure <laughs> Um, well, right on. Hey, it, it's so great to have you on. I've got a ton of questions, but I, I'd love to start. I know you're at Quota Path now, but I'd love to start with Trenke, which was, I believe, your first company. Yes, um, correct. Can, can you give us sort of the, the founding story of that one? Oh, that's a great founding story and origin story. So first off, I've always wanted to start a company. I um m- always thought of myself in an entrepreneurial spirit. I've done some things. I started a company in college that was like, I I don't count it as my first company. It was a half. Uh, And the real, real quick story on that, it was called controlthebuzz.com. And it was a website that you went to that was blank. It had a text box. And for a dollar, you could change anything you wanted and say that text box or change that text to anything you wanted to and just had to pay a dollar. So it was before Twitter. This is 2004. 2005. And so I, I'm very like excited to, to go down that road. I, uh, after leaving college, I had a BA in economics and I, uh, really knew that I wanted to, uh, do something that would be like down the path of starting a company I had a couple of consulting offers. I had done an internship with NFL films here in the States. It was a lot of fun. So anyway, I talked to an uncle and he suggested that I go into sales. I was like, sales? Why sales? You'll learn everything about revenue and bottom line, top line, anything you need to know about a company exists in sales. Uh, so I took him up on that. I joined a company called Meltwater. was an individual contributor for a couple of years. And then I moved to sales management in Philadelphia office. I eventually opened an office in San Diego and then was in the Bay running West Coast sales operations for a little while. Um, and during that time, I had a uh, boss that I didn't get along well with. Uh, it was very challenging. Felt like I was hearing mixed messages and it was just not a great situation for me, but he did do something that was really empowering and, and very impactful, which was he took all of the leaders to go see Tony Robbins. 
And if you don't know who Tony Robbins is, I didn't know at the time. I knew him from the movie Shallow Hal. He uh, he shows up with Gwyneth Paltrow and Jen- Jack Black. Um, uh, he's like the guy that hypnotizes Jack Black's character. Very old movie at this point. Anyway, I went uh, there, walked on coals, did all the things, and left saying, I'm going to start a company. And knew I was going to start. I had two goals. I wanted to buy an airplane. And I was going to start a company. Um, and I flew back to San Diego uh, and told my wife that we're, we're starting a company and I'm going to buy an airplane within three years. So that led down the path. I started the company with the only other person that I knew that knew anything about startups. Um, this guy, Matt Allison, I had worked with him briefly at uh, Meltwater in Philly, but he lived out in San Diego. We would talk every single day about startups, startups. And we ended up landing on the idea of this, what became Trendkite, this idea around public relations attribution, PR attribution. Um, at the time, I was working for the company Meltwater that was uh, very much in the media monitoring space. So it was like a clipping service, but analytics and BI were more of a tack on solution and reporting. And so knew, knew that the, the way that the direction of the market was headed was more towards like, how do we get more PR at the seat of the table of marketing with CMOs? They have so much attribution and channel attribution. And you know this, Pierce, obviously, from a marketing standpoint, it's like the value of PR is very challenging. Um, so our goal was to really understand that and understand uh, your earned media, whether it was the uh, Philadelphia Inquirer, um, the, uh, the New York Times, now all of the... Tr- <clears throat> Was it Toronto Sun, Vancouver Sun, Vancouver Sun? Toronto, all, yeah, Toronto. yeah, yeah. All of the Canadian publications are <laughs> yeah. keeping me in this moment. There's a lot of suns up here. Suns, yeah. yeah so <laughs> yeah. I, uh, we, we went down that path and were wildly successful. I was president and founder, founder and president of the company, and I ran all of growth. Um, so we had comp- uh, clients like uh, Hershey's, Wall Street, or sorry, Hershey's, N- Nike. Um, uh, Sephora, just all of these great brands that worked with us. I think about a quarter of the fortune 500 were customers by then we had over 5,000 customers when we sold the company decision PR newswire in 2018. Uh, so there's a lot more in there on the origin piece of it, but it ultimately ended up being two guys starting a company in San Diego, moving back to Philadelphia, going through a business accelerator, uh, called dream adventures in 2013. Um, getting funded funded immediately, like right out of that program within four months of starting the company uh, by Silverton Partners. And then uh, away we went in Austin. And so we were based in Austin, Texas for uh, a period of time before moving back to Philadelphia. And now I fly, uh, you know, all, all over the place. But we quote a path today, which was started directly as that as Trendkite got bought is based in Austin, Philly, and then quite a f- uh, few folks that are remote. That's amazing. And, and congrats, like your first company, you, you build it up over six years and sell it for hundreds of millions of dollars. I mean, that's, that's really the dream. And I, I read somewhere and correct me if I'm off here, but that you went from zero to 25 million in ARR in four years. Is that right? Yeah, we went, we had a very, very fast rise uh, as an organization and zero to 25 million from 2014, really, when we got sales kicked off a year after we started the company to 2018. Um, And so it was pretty much that triple, triple, double, double uh, framework. Although I think we were 
not quite in the second double, um, but was really seeing uh, strong growth along the way. And it was a really exciting time. Um, yeah. It was all the things that a 2014 to 2018 inside sales team would afford. There were 150 folks inside. The, the sales floor was very loud on a daily basis. And uh, it was mayhem. It was uh, the Thunderdome, as we like to call it. Wow. It was a lot, a lot going on. So you had... And what was the like? What was the team structure there of those hundred and fifty people? I had eventually at the height. I had account management, part of SDR, and um, the new business sales team. So on the new business team, we had four managers. Actually, we had six managers, and we had like an associates program where folks were like getting graduated up. Uh, but four main sales managers that were managing between six and eight. Uh, AEs, different levels. On the account management team, we had three uh, three teams over there, um, and then S, we had a we had both a BDR or actually it was an MDR program we called it. So inbound outbound team on the SDR front, and then part of the outbound uh, is the team that I managed as well, um, and that was I think about forty folks overall. So forty forty yeah, well. there probably call it 70 AEs and then 30 to 40, uh, no, 30 AMs. Wow. And, and, and so when you look at that team and that growth that you were able to, to achieve, like how the heck did you do that? Was it, was it the right product, the right time? Was it your sales strategies? Was it a, I'm, I'm assuming it's a combination of things, but when you look back, like what were those big factors that helped you grow at that speed? I mean, the learning and growing, I think the community, Austin community was really, really helpful throughout the entire, um, the, the entire time there. I just, as Austin was a great community. There are a lot of folks that were moving there, a lot of younger, talented, Another thing that we, we took advantage of was just the, the massive movements in technology, both MarTech and sales tech. Um, the, how ABM was starting to become a thing and like wasn't a thing until really that time. Um, and then we also had this just change in how sales and sales automation was done. Think about tools like Outreach or SalesLoft. We use SalesLoft at that time. Um, and so like, there was a lot of things that we took advantage of very early to help us get an edge and get in front of competitors. We didn't have a huge competitive market. We were competing directly against Meltwater and another incision. Honestly, those are our two big competitors. And there are a couple of folks, a couple organizations, startups like us that were just trying to get started and, and hitting on some of the same messaging, but slightly, uh, slightly unique. And we were all finding our swim lanes at that time. Hmm. What what would you say were kind of some of the biggest challenges that you faced as a founder in your first company? Oh gosh. Um, well, if I were to just say bluntly and all of the things that happened, we were two weeks away from running out of cash at one time. Uh, we had a, my co-founder was the CEO. We had to bring on a CEO at a different time. I had some HR challenges uh, because we had such a large sales team. There were definitely a lot of things that happened during that time that, like I, you know, look back at were learnings for sure. Um, I've the one thing that was funny about this whole thing of like most founders would come on here and say product market fit, but we actually had product market fit day one. 
we had like we i knew the market as well as anyone could and at that time there weren't like 15 other companies that were funded that were in this mm -hmm. jostling for the same position um and so that was like the thing that was actually kept driving us no matter how dysfunctional some things were and honestly it, we were actually like i really enjoyed the aspects where we were very functional um we had a strong go-to-market engine the entire team was in Austin. It was easy to get FaceTime. Um, we built the product uh, pretty cleanly upfront. Timing worked out for us in terms of like the venture and the funding rounds. Um, so there are a lot of things that went really, really well. Um, but mostly I think the things that like were challenging were I had to learn and I had to grow up. Um, I was 27 when I started the company and here we are 11 years later. Um, and I learned a lot through, through those five and a half years at, at Trendkite. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, I'm in a similar position. I started my company, so I was never a CEO before. There's definitely a ton to learn about leadership. I feel like you're always learning there. Where did you go, uh, to kind of learn <laughs> and develop into the leader that you are today? Well, I think sales, uh, I, I do credit Meltwater for my sales leadership for sure. And I, I learned very quickly um, through lots of different, uh, I mean, just learning on the job, sure. But then reading challenger sales or um, uh, sales acceleration formula by Mark Robert. So it was like a lot of books that I held. Uh, Cracking the sales management code was another one. Um, that I, I leaned on. And so I learned a lot of frameworks through those leadership is, is something that you learn. You learn, and I, I still take that you either have it or you don't. Um, but it's, it comes and goes like there's obviously different ways Pierce, you know, managing a product and engineering team versus a sales and marketing team. Those are two very, very different types. And I've learned the type of leader that I am where I work well with folks that are very structured under me, like that they have their process. Um, and plan. And that's something that I like, you know, I now can take going forward that I know that like on, on any hire, they have to have a fairly structured point of view on how they're thinking about things, how they're working. Like, but at the same time, I don't want to hurt the entrepreneurial spirit that they might bring into it. So I think I, I work best if someone comes to me and wants to work through a problem uh, together and doesn't necessarily always have a solution, but starts up front with like, here's the proposed solutions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I think another learning on this whole thing was just how managing a board. Um, I've gone through nine fundraising rounds in 10 years and I've been in like 60 plus board meetings. About half of those are as a CEO. Uh, and I think there's always times where you know, things are going well and it's, um, it's not as stressful, but it feels like you're, you're as operationally into the business as you possibly can. And then you have periods potentially like this year where there's, um, what we would consider a tech recession, at least in the funding world that it's pulled back on, on tech. And so everyone has these uncertainty, your investors are trying to figure out the world as well, but they, they also are trying to air confidence that they, have like, this is what you need to do or not do and want to be in constant contact because they're not out talking to um, entrepreneurs as much as they were in the last three years. Um, and I think those are things that I, I look at and I'm like, okay, there's probably better. There are a lot of learnings of here's how I should have better managed 
the board or better managed the, mm. the team. And, and I think those are the leadership lessons. I have a great CEO coach. I think that that's someone I've relied on for the last couple of years in a real big way. Um, and it's helped, uh, helped see because as you know, Pierce, there's not really many people you can talk to. Um, <clears throat> yes. it's, it's a lonely world at the top. Yeah. Yeah. No, those are some great, great, uh, you know, shares there as well. I, I've had a CEO coach for a long time and I feel like it's it's a huge help as well as a peer group uh, as well that I think is super helpful. Last one about Trendkite, then I want to switch over to Quotapath. But I take take me through, I'm curious about your mindset. You know, you built your first company six years, you sell it to Cision. Like, did you take any time off and like, how how long did it take and why did you jump back into starting something else? I think that's my biggest regret is I took zero. I took, I had a week vacation um, that I took a cruise with my wife and some <laughs> friends and that was it. Like literally that was the only, and even then I was working through the idea of uh, quota path on that cruise. Uh, so yeah, I mean, in the last, since I started my career in 2007, I just haven't taken time off, um, you know, in a real meaningful way. I've had, I think, one two-week vacation in that time frame. And it's uh, it's a challenge. It's really tough. Um, but I think you know this, Pierce, it's entrepreneurs and founders never have, a, they don't have an off switch. Um, I ultimately do know that in the, at some point in the future, I like I won't do that again. I will take some time off and have a little bit of a reset. I think it's important. Uh, I've seen others do it as especially recently with whether it's the pandemic or kind of executives getting burnt out or whatever the case may be. I've seen a lot of folks take a little bit of a sabbatical and come back refreshed. And I look at that and I'm like, oh, there's, you know, it's, it's possible to do. I didn't think it was possible at that time. So I'm <laughs> more bullish on uh, people doing that today than I was previously. <clears throat> nice. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I feel I talk to a lot of entrepreneurs and, and we're, you know, this community of people that are always just wanting to solve problems and tackle hard issues and, and keep our minds busy with <laughs> building new things. So I, I totally get that. And um, it sounds like you're building something great again at Quota Path. So, I mean, you're building the second time around now. You've learned a ton from your first company. What are you doing differently this time? Well, I think the thing that I'm focusing in on a lot more this year is just product uh, or this year, this, uh, this time around, it feels like a year. It's been a year <laughs> and 20 years all wrapped into one. Um, is So we're a product led organization and just focusing in and having a heavier product team to really uh, build to what your customers are asking for. As I said, the first time around, I had product market fit. Um, and I, I think I took that a little bit for granted at, uh, for Quotapath because I dealt with sales compensation since I was in a sales leadership role. And so I knew the problems, I knew the challenges that faced sales leaders, but I took for granted the challenges that faced operations or uh, finance really. And actually I took for granted, but my co-founder was the director of revenue operations at Trendkite. So he knew those challenges, but the challenges of finance were the missing link to it. So I think that's something that I like from a learning standpoint, uh, we're, we're really, really heavily heads down there. 
the world's changed quite a bit, as you know. And so the thing where I'm still learning and trying to dig in is how do you run a company, a remote company? I don't think I've solved that because I myself am uh, very much an in-person type of uh, personality. Um, and that that's a really big challenge in like the, the world that we live in is like, how do you do that? And I think three and a half years, four years, almost, it's almost been four years since the pandemic. Isn't that? <clears throat> yeah. It's wild. Yeah. Yeah. So I crazy. think almost, almost four years coming up. Um, but, uh, that the like ups and downs and the roller coaster of events. And uh, of course, how is generative AI going to change it? I think we're constantly learning so it's less about what did i take from the first one it's like what did i take from last week and what am i trying <laughs> to do this do differently yeah. this week i'd love to hear some of the things you're doing around you know the remote team <laughs> at knack we're a hybrid team we have an office we have about half of our employees are remote uh, is there anything that you found or are you doing anything proactively to to help build that remote culture yeah i mean we have i my our head of people is just an amazing human being i've worked with her for uh seven plus years that's the other thing for quota path that i've worked with uh, about half the company for over five plus mm. years nice. um, so we have a lot of reliance and that that helps with re re remote culture but there's ultimately things that you need to do so for like example celebrating our brand launch today we're going to have a cheers this afternoon um, that, that, uh, Carrie set up. We also have, uh, a virtual poker night that, um, upcoming, um, we do have an office in Austin and an office in Philadelphia. Uh, so we have get togethers in those offices once a month. Um, we had a, uh, in-person kickoff in July, albeit it was in Austin, which was my, maybe not the best, uh, choice of venue given the heat in Texas. Hot. Yeah, <laughs> a little hot, but it was good to get the team. And then we have a virtual kickoff in January. So it's just continuing to keep those things mm -hmm. um, front and center. And when you do those meetups at your, your offices, is that just kind of like everyone in those cities come in and get together or, or is that the whole company? How do those work? Yeah, I would say um, the whole company is important. I mean, we're not a huge company, so it's, it's getting like the 70 folks together is some, and we're all, well, we have a few Canadians, um, but we're all uh, yes. located in North American, North America. And so it's a lot easier to, to make those direct uh, connections. I think the other thing to do is I, so I travel to Austin a lot, but I also travel to other cities to meet with customers. And so in that time, like I'll be in Boston um, for inbound uh, in um, a couple of weeks and uh, speaking there. Yeah. And so a good opportunity to meet, not just with customers, but the uh, employees that are in, in around Boston. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. I'm speaking there as well. It's, it's coming up quickly. It is. I know. I did my first <laughs> practice last week with the, uh, Oh, <laughs> nice. You're ahead of me. Oh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, you know, AJ, I'm a, I'm a marketing guy uh, now who has the sales team, and I'm learning how complicated uh, sales commission plans oh. yeah. can be. Why are they so complicated, and, and how, how do you make a good one? Well, I think there's a couple things that go on. First off, there everyone feels that they have their special snowflake. There's a lot of people that are like, it needs to be written on the back of a, a napkin. 
but it turns out you can write in really small font on the back of a napkin <laughs> write a lot of complicated <laughs> yeah. things i what tends to happen in organizations is that it starts out with great intentions you, know, you have a company objective a really simple number in terms of financial target and ARR, GMV, or whatever you're targeting, and that water falls down to the sales team. But after some period of time, company objectives change, or you raise a round, or you have a new sales leader, you have a new RevOps leader, you have a new finance leader, you have people come into the organization and they have different opinions based on their experience and their backgrounds. The fact that 70% of companies keep their comp in a spreadsheet is is really crazy to me because it's like, why would you keep something that you're as a payroll function just directly in a spreadsheet? And so when we started the company, we had this like sales view perspective of like, we wanted our sales, the sales reps and sales leaders to understand their comp and basically demystify it, create like little Lego blocks to connect. So we were, um, we didn't have formulas or we weren't spreadsheet based software over the years we've realized and brought in what I, like what I said with RevOps and finance and, and have actually pointed at our product more at the ad, admin um, folks to, to really be able to build the plans, the accessibility of making changes, whether it's with a CRM change and how mappings work. Uh, we're working, that's where the product led part of it comes in. Today, as we work with organizations like NAC that um, scale are scaling and getting bigger, uh, we're realizing for finance that we do need to actually have a spreadsheet type view. And so it's like, how do you create a point of view along those four work streams, the reps, the sales leaders, rev ops, and finance to create a spoken language, a language that they all understand. And at that finance level, the spreadsheet, whether it's FPNA or ERP or accounting software, you do have some level of, of uh, export import into um, the spreadsheet. So that's what we're, we're focusing on. That's what our brand uh, refresh really represents is speaking to that buyer um, mm. and ensuring that they understand that they're a big part of our journey uh, along the way. And so we have some really big product launches uh, this fall that will help um, help solidify uh, those objectives and nice. speaking to that buyer. So you yeah, know, yeah, answering yeah. your question, plans we get Frankenstein all the time. We're here to help simplify and help under, make them understandable. Right on. Yeah. You, you got to get this, the finance people, their spreadsheets. Yes. The must. Yeah. The must. <laughs> um, so I, I actually thought about this one the other day and I wanted to ask you, so I, I feel like a lot of SaaS companies might um, give a commission to their sales reps for that, like the first year of a subscription. Right. And then, yeah. You know, we had a scenario the other day where I actually kind of realized, hey, it's actually like the, well, it's the best for the company to have a multi-year deal. But if we're only comping the yeah. sales reps on the first year, it's let, you know, typically with discount. Yeah. Right. So, so, I mean, I'd love to hear just your perspective yeah. on that. That's fantastic. Simple scenario. Like what, what do you recommend there? That's a normal, normal scenario and normal use case. And I really appreciate that. So first off, Pierce, directly after this, I'm going to connect you with uh, Graham Collins, who does comp plan consults to help you all get like the right actual uh, variable comp into, into quota path. Like that's the first thing I would say is that we like, yeah, we will yeah, help awesome. align those. The thing that you just said, which is very clear is like, how do you align company objectives to incentive compensation? 
that is that is what rep- we are uh, mm-hmm. representing in the next several months with our brand refresh and how we're actually announcing this to the world is like you you have a you might have figured out that this is a variable compensation that you have to institute but you don't know how to do it well first is it the actual right thing based on the numbers and like let us actually measure those some of those numbers in the um, health of the business and tie them to the inputs of the company objectives and and double check that secondly Mm -hmm. let's actually make some of those changes and shifts and then third let's measure those changes and shifts and as we modeled them out and see if they match expectations and forecasts that's actually that feedback loop is you just uh, described exactly how we think about our world and the opportunity that we have not as commission tracking but as this compensation management to align your company objectives to the incentive compensation plans that your sales reps have. Absolutely. That's the one. Sounds good to me. Um, so we actually connected through an outreach. You know, NAC is a customer of Quotapath. And, and AJ, you reached out to connect with me just as you do with some of your customers. Uh, I thought it was great the way that you're doing this. Can you Could you maybe just share with, with our listeners... Yeah. You know how and why you're you're connecting with your customers well i think as we entered this year we were doing a lot of things that our um team was saying that we should do on products and that's like you were listening to our sales reps or am and hearing a lot of that and the like the product feedback was there um but as we were as the market was changing it was i felt it was really important to like really connect with our customers to truly understand how they're actually thinking about more strategic goals with the organization and how that relates. I mean, Pierce, you literally just described a conversation that I'm having with our customers and what they're aligning. And then that helps informs like our feedback in terms of like, how do I take that? Okay. Hey, Graham, you should go, you can connect with them and like, let's actually figure out a way to work with them to productize this piece of it. That creates like a, a lasting relationship, right? So the, the main goal was first, let me, target target let me actually reach out to five five new customers a week i set myself to those standards and I, I do so i can talk to five five customers a week um we also as a management team as exec team started to sponsor in pairs different outreach additionally my head of uh, revenue operations and myself the last few weeks have met in-person customers at baseball games. So we were at Yankee Stadium two weeks ago and we were uh, at the Phillies game uh, about a week ago. And each each um, game, it's called a web, or sorry, excuse, excuse me, it's called our summer series. We hosted both prospects and customers, but mostly actually just customers. I think 80% of the folks that showed up at each, had 20 tickets for each of the games, most of them were customers. And it was just really interesting. like. Yeah, we were all watching the baseball game. It was fine. But there were so many organic conversations that happened just like this. Uh, We were talking about, oh, this new um, product feature that we're testing out. It came up that one of our product teams had talked to a different customer. Another customer heard that and said, actually, I have that same issue. Let me, can I I join these product conversations? And so just ensuring that you're listening to your customers and listening to as much feedback from your customers is something that I took for granted, again, at Trendkite because of product market fit, and then at Quotapath more because I was more interested in the new business side. I was, I'm was i a seller by trade, so I love closing deals. Um, but the other side of it, I love talking to customers, just like 
didn't dawn on me more until the beginning of the year. Mm. Yeah, no, well, I think you do a great job of it. And uh, yeah, I love I love the baseball series as well. That's a good it's, one. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah. It's been our marketing yeah. team is is awesome. It's just it's been great yeah. to work with a team that's thinking outside the box and doing things that is like very focused on both pipeline generation, but also just like you know, retention and opportunity to get even closer to our customers. Nice, nice. Um, so we're going to move into the rapid fire section of this, but Love before, the rapid we, fire. <laughs> yeah, before we do, where can people find you and learn more about Quotapa? Uh, well, LinkedIn is the easiest, uh, route to connect with me and you write a personal note saying that you listen to this podcast. I'll definitely respond. Um, but the other way to do that is, uh, because we just launched our brand, I will, I will plug Quotapath here. Uh, check out quotapath.com. I would say that if you're interested in like how comp plans work or you're either a startup or, or really thinking about this, uh, comp.quotapath.com is our compensation hub and it has uh, scenario modeling, quota to OT ratio, SDR plans, really great opportunity to just like play around with it. It's ungated. So you can just like mess around with it. And if you find a plan that you want to check out or create or scenario model, you can um, pull that into a free workspace right within uh, uh, comp hub. So great way to do that. Nice. I love it. Love the ungated way to get started as well. Yes. As the marketing person, uh, that's good stuff. It's very um, PLG of us. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, okay. So first one is, what's one marketing trend that you would unsubscribe from? I am really disappointed on how many people do the send later and all send at the exact same time. My 9am Monday inbox is awful. <laughs> I hate yeah. that trend. Can we, yeah. can we please make it like, I, fine, send an automated message, but just like kill it that it's 9am Eastern time Monday. on Mondays, yeah. please. <laughs> uh, all right. Speaking about email, is email dead? No, not at all. And so I think it's, uh, it's one, I tend to, um, respond to a handful of sales emails a month that feel like they're personal. And two, it's a, the very big mode. It's the only mode of communication that I have with outside of text with my like board or other, uh, folks where they're not internal to the company, but they're in my network. So email itself is not dead at all. We've uh, heard about your flying, and I'm guessing that's probably one of the things here. But what do you do for fun? Yeah, I do. I do. I, I yeah, I absolutely do fly. I'm commercially rated pilot, um, and my parents live in the Outer Banks, North Carolina. I tend to go some weekends in the summer down there and hang out with the girls. Uh, so that's a that's a big part of it. Outside of that, my wife and I have lived in many different cities over the years. We made six moves in two years one time. Um, and so like art, we're very focused on, on food scenes, like many people are. Um, and now that my girls are older, so I have an 11 year old and twin eight year olds, it's been nice to get outdoors. Uh, we went hiking here locally just yesterday. We're doing a lot of the things that we did pre kids, which I really nice. appreciate. Yeah. Yeah. You, you yeah. like, everyone talks about, yeah, I love to hike and outdoors and I love the food scene. And then you have kids and none, all those things go away. <laughs> it's a lot harder. Um, but then they come back and I'm re I'm enjoying the resurgence of those things coming back in our lives. Nice. Nice. Yeah. I've got a, 
an eight and a six year old so yeah, I'm you're almost there. to see the light on yeah, the light then yeah. it's on a <laughs> yeah. um who's one person that you admire in the business community and why um that's a that's a really great question i would say sam jacobs uh is the the ceo of a community called pavilion and i i really admire how he's been pretty authentic in his voice um you know, we we ourselves had actually started a, a podcast that we do on a weekly basis to talk all things market and what's going on in founder world called Top Line that I really enjoy. But I admire his thoughtfulness and his approach to uh, to uh, to all things startup related. And then my co-host there is Asad Zaman, who's um, the CEO of Sales Talent Agency, and he's also he's in Toronto, so he's a Canadian nice. and. And he also has a very thoughtful approach. So those are two people that I admire. And I take every week, I take something from those guys and what they're doing and how they're thinking about the world. Nice, nice. I just met Sam uh, in Boulder at, at actually yeah. an Insight uh, CEO, CEO conference. Yeah. So it was cool. Yeah. He, I had he a conflict. Should... I couldn't make it there, Pierce. Oh, oh, we could have met up in person. We could person. have met there. Yeah. yeah they were supposed <laughs> that... to go on a hot air balloon ride with uh, yeah. Pablo Dominguez, but the wind was Yeah, hot. yeah. Oh, we got up at five in the morning uh, <laughs> to did you, do that. Did you go but on or wind, was it wind? Wind was too... Wind didn't cooperate with yeah. us uh, that time. Yeah. yeah. Um, you've shared a, a ton of great advice uh, already today, but yeah, is, the, is there maybe one piece of career advice that you have that, that you might, that you think might help others? Yeah, I mean, especially for founders who can get so emotionally wrapped into their businesses, which I I appreciate and understand intimately well. But I think the thing to keep in mind is that there, there's always a like a a next time an opportunity to get better and learn. So like, it doesn't mean that you're everyone should leave their businesses. But I'm just saying this was advice that my dad gave me when I founded Trendkite, and I co-founded it with my co-founder, but. I didn't realize at the time I wanted to be the CEO and I wasn't, I was the founder and president. And I had this ego uh, challenge at that time where I was very frustrated. And my dad made the comment like, AJ, you're 27. You're always going to have a next time. You're always going to have an opportunity to start a company and be in that seat and learn. And you know what? It's not going to be easy. (laughs) So maybe just enjoy and take a step back and like learn and grow in the role that you have. And it was probably the best advice that I've ever received because it allowed me to leave my ego at the door in in almost anything that I do. And I know the CEO role is, uh, is can be very ego, is ego driven. There's David Ogilvy once said that there are no statues of committees in your towns. And that is true. Walk around your town. I'm going to see a statue of a committee. There's a statue of one. And that is something that, I think about, but at the same time, I just like, you got to enjoy the journey. You have to leave your ego at the door. Um, otherwise mm-hmm. you're just going to get so emotionally distraught and stressed out about the world and it's not going to be healthy. Nice. Yeah. Always another time. Solid wisdom from dad there. Uh, <laughs> last one. Who else should we interview on the unsubscribe podcast? Well, I mean, we mentioned uh, Sam and Asad. I think those are great, mm, yeah. uh, great people. But, you know, I would say that there's two uh, thought leaders within my own company and uh, both have had like founder pieces to their story. Sarah Strope, our, our chief marketing officer, who was with Taxjar, acquired by Stripe. She was with a company called Cloud and acquired by IBM. And she's has 
a wealth of information and experience. Uh, and then Ryan Milligan, my uh, senior director of revenue operations, is has been with Wayfair and HubSpot, um, and he's uh, he's on a, a really interesting journey and path. And I, I look to the thought leaders and thought partners in my own organization as really interesting people. Um, and someone that I, I, if anyone says, who should I talk to? I will immediately plug them. Yeah. Love it. Would love some intros there. Um, right on. Well, AJ, this, this has been amazing. Thank you so much for the time. We've, we've heard through your founding story of your first company, uh, you know, heard some good lessons learned that you had there and, and what you're taking into building quota path, which, you know, we're using it at NAC. It's a great great platform and and i feel like you're one of those people when i talk to different sales people that i always learn a lot from so thank you so much for joining us today and and sharing your stories and and sharing how people can improve their sales really appreciate you coming on thank you so much pierce for having me it's been a pleasure all right Thanks for listening to Unsubscribed, a podcast created by Knack. If you enjoyed this episode of Unsubscribed, be sure to subscribe to my podcast and leave a review on your favorite podcast player. If you have any feedback or want to chat, feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn or follow me on Twitter at marketing underscore 101. Cheers.